So a little bit about the structure of these mamari. Um, they're not all exactly the same structure, but many of them follow a certain pattern, which is that the mamari will start off with a quote from the Torah, either from the five books of Moses, or from the Nevi'im, from the prophets, or from what's called the Kusufim, the writings of Shlomo Melech, etc., or the Megillot. So a, a text from the Torah, from what's called the Tanakh. And from there, the altar will ask a question on that quote. And usually, once he's asked a question, he puts aside the quote, puts aside the question, and starts to introduce us to ideas within Hasidot, many times that are connected to Kabbalah. And then, once we've understood those ideas, we go back to the question, back to the quote, and say, okay, now we can answer it based on the concepts that we've learned. So many times you'll see that we're going to be like, okay, we're learning um, a, a Hasidic discourse on this week's parasha, okay? And we'll start with a quote from the parasha and a question, and then start diving into ideas about Hashem and the names of Hashem. And Al-Tarabi does this in order that when he answers the, quest, answers the question according to Hasidut, we can actually know what, um, what is going on. Another thing is that the Al-Turabi style of delivering Hasidut changed throughout the years. So it started off as very, very short little, um, very short little discourses, very short ideas, very cryptic. Um, I, I just read what they were called. There was a name for them. I don't remember what it was. Um, then it expanded into what was called Igrok letters, lengthier, um, lengthier concepts in Hasidus, lengthier discourses, and eventually went into full-blown what we call Mamar and Hasidic discourses. And um, there was a there was a two-stage, so to speak, period. The Al-Turbi was imprisoned by the Tsar. Um, there were people who were very, very strongly opposed to Hasidut who went to the Tsar and said that the Al-Turbi was um, was a spy and that he was what's the word treason? How do you say that the person was Treasoning. Treasoning. Committed, thank you. He committed, I learned more English in this class than he committed treason against the country. Why? Because uh, at the time Russia was an enemy of the, of the Turkish, of the Turks. And the Turkish were the ones who were ruling Palestine at the time, they were ruling Israel. And the alternative was very, very into sending money to the land of Israel, to the Jews of Israel, because they were very, very poor. And so they, they concocted a whole lie. Um, saying that the Al-Turabi was, was uh, committing treason against the country and he was, he was imprisoned. And the Al-Turabi really, really saw this imprisonment as a spiritual imprisonment as well, where there was a question up above if this was okay to be teaching so much Hasidus, which is new ideas in Torah that had never been taught before. And when the Al-Turabi was eventually freed on Yutet Kislev, on the 19th of Kislev, which is a very big holiday for Hasidim, it was understood and it was actually told to us by the Al-Turabi that up on high, the decree was abolished and the Al-Turabi could teach Hasidot. And so the period before his imprisonment and after we see a very big change in his teachings. Before it's much more cryptic, much shorter, and after it's much more elaborated. So that's just another little um, side thing. Um, okay, a little bit of the style, as we said, starts off with a quote, then the question, then a whole, I guess we can call it a tangent, but obviously it's not a tangent, and then going back to the original question and the original verse. A little bit about what we're going to be learning um, this Elul, especially if anyone is here just for Elul. Um, this, is what, this is what we're going to be learning about. We're going to be learning a mimer, Hasidic discourse, a very famous one called Ani Ladodi. Ani Ladodi Vadodi. Have you heard of it? Okay, amazing. So, Ani Ladodi Vadodi is one of the acronyms for the name of 
ELL. There are many, many acronyms for ELL, because ELL is a four-letter word. Um, there are about seven very famous ones where you take ELL and you take the Aleph stands for one thing, the Lamed stands for one thing, the Vav for another, and then the Lamed for another, and take different Pesukim from the Torah and connect the concepts of the month of ELL, which we find ourselves in, which is the first month, of, uh, which is the month before Tishrei, the month before the first month of the year. And one of the very famous ones, which is actually brought from the Abu Dharam. Has anyone heard of the Abu Dharam? He was uh, what's called a Rishon. He lived in Spain. In, oh, I forgot the city in Spain. One of those places that people like tour there now. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, he lived in a pretty place in Spain um, in the 1300s. And he is the one who introduced us to the acronym that Elul, the month of Elul, the name of Elul, stands for a verse from the book of Shir Hashirim, which is a ver- which is a book that was written by King Solomon. Have you guys heard of King Solomon, the son of, son of King David? He wrote a book which is considered part of the Tanakh, part of the literal, the Torah that was given over with the Rock of Kodesh with divine inspiration called Shir Hashirim, which means Song of Songs. It's a... Uh, beautiful um, story of two lovers, a man and a woman who really love each other very passionately and then they come together and they separate and come together. And it's a whole, mashal, a whole analogy for our relationship, our loving relationship specifically of the Jewish people and Hashem. And there, there's a quote in Shir Hashem in chapter six, which is, Ani ledodi ledodili, which means I am to my beloved. Ani means I, ledodi am to my beloved. Dodi and my beloved Li is to me. And the Abu Dharam introduced us to the idea that this is one of the acronyms of Elo. So Elo, the name of Elo, is a symbol for the concept that, if we really understand what it is, from this verse in Shir Hashirim of Ani Dodi Badodi Li. And in general, um, we take names very seriously. We take the names of the months, we take the names of the parshiot, we take the names of the tzaddikim and the people and the stories of the Torah very seriously. They're not random. Any name that's there is there for a reason. Even though actually the, the names of the months of the Jewish calendar were given, um, they're actually ba- Babylonian names, I'm pretty sure. They were given when the Jewish people were exiled to Babylonia. And that's when they named the months. But even so, we take these names very, very seriously, right? So Elul isn't just the name of the month, right? Like January. Um, I don't know where. Does anyone know where the English months names come from? Latin. Latin? And like, do you know what they mean? January, like. I want to point you do. <laughs> it can't have been too important <laughs> then. October definitely is just like eight, right? Oh, that's so true. But like, that's the tenth month, so I don't know. Okay, so there we go. August is something from Augustus. They added a few because it used to be. Oh, okay. So it used to be eight then. Oh, it used to be eight, and they added one. I don't know. So very possibly, very possibly. Um, So, so the Jewish months also have names, um, and we take names seriously. So the name of Elul, which is the name of the month that we find ourselves in, which is the end of the summer, the beginning of the new year, the beginning of the new Jewish year, um, is the name of Elul. And one of the acronyms, one of the many acronyms is Anila Dodi Badodili. We're going to be focusing on this acronym um, in this minor, trying to understand what's the connection between this Hasuk from Hashir Hashir, which means I am to my, to my beloved, 
and my beloved is to me, and that connection with the month that we find ourselves in of Elul. We're not going to go inside today. We're going to go inside tomorrow, so we can close the we can close the book for now. I want to just give a little bit of an introduction to the month of Elul, to the ideas we're going to be looking at, and uh, then we'll, we'll dive right in. You might find I, I specifically like to learn in Torah because it is the most cryptic, I would say, of the Maimarim of the Chabad Rebbe, which means we can go inside and then we can go outside and elaborate on the ideas. Um, but I want to just speak to you a little bit about the idea of the Jewish calendar and of the year, right? We're heading into the new year. We're heading towards Rosh Hashanah. Are any of you here just for Elul, like leaving by like Rosh Hashanah here for the month? Yeah? Okay. Oh, okay, okay. So you really chose this time as to take off from your life, to prepare. That's amazing. It's a very, very good time to choose. That's, mm-hmm. we're gonna be, that's what we're going to be learning um, why this is, a, this is a great time. Every, every, every month is a great month, but this is a really great month. Um, so the word Shana means a year in Hebrew, right? Um, also in ancient Hebrew, in Lashon Kodesh. And Shana also divides into other words, two main other words. One is Lishanot. Does anyone here know Hebrew? What is it? To change. Lishanot means to change. And Lishanen. Does anyone know what Lishanen means? We say it every day in the Shema, we say, Lishinanta Levanecha Ledibarta Bam. The Shanen means to repeat, to go over and over again, to repeat. So we have this strange thing happening where the word Shana also means to repeat and it also means to change, which are two opposite things, right? Change and repetition are two completely opposite things. But it's an interesting thing that we see throughout the cycle of a year that on the one hand, every year is different, right? Every year brings with it change, the beginning, a new beginning, right? And the resolutions that come along with that and the hopes that come with the new year. And at the same time, every year repeats itself, right? Every year we have Rosh Hashanah, right? Maybe this year, hopefully this year's Rosh Hashanah is going to be very inspiring because you're here in my life. Um, every year there's Rosh Hashanah. Every year there's Yom Kippur, right? Every year there's Sukkot. Every year there is the summer and the winter and the change of seasons and the sun rises and the sun sets. There is repetition throughout a year as well. And the fact that we have both of these things is very important. There's these two very big, both of these represent two very big elements within Judaism. On the one hand, we have, we have the repetition that comes with being Jewish, right? Every year, kind of we go through the same holidays, the same cycles, and the, we have the seder, the order that comes along with that, right? The daven in the morning, and like the Shabbos candles before Shabbat, every week we have the Shabbat. We have, we have the cycles of being Jewish that repeat themselves. And on the other hand, we also have the opportunity to show up to these cycles of repetition as the person who we are, which is always a changed person, because we're always changing for the, for the better or for the worse. We're never the same person, right? One day after the other, one year after the other. And so that's where that concept of the shanot comes, the change, that we can show up to these cycles that repeat themselves again and again every year, every week, we can show up to them as the changed person we are and actually infuse where we're holding into that time and make that time a changed time so that this Rosh Hashanah should not be the same as last Rosh Hashanah, right? We have to show up for that because Rosh Hashanah is going to come whether we like it or not. There's a story that I heard from Rabbi Yossi Paltiel. There was a Rebbe called the Ruzhina Rebbe. If anyone's heard of him, he was a very, very, very great Sadiq. Um, I think he was one of the students of the Magid. I think so. He was a, he was a genius from a he was a little kid, and 
everyone was like in awe of him because even from a little little kid like a really young boy he got married at 12 i think um but when he was really young, a lot of our band got married very young um when he was very very young already people were like in awe of him he was a real genius anyway he was a very holy man and he had chassidim many many ginormous sects of chassidut that we know of today come originally from the Ruzhina Rebbe. they split off into different branches of chassidut and there's a story that he had um, he had a chassid, he had a, he had a student, a disciple, who used to go for a yearly yechidus, which is called a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the Rebbe. He would go every year, he would travel from wherever, whatever town he lived in, and he would go to meet with the Rebbe. One year, he had done something that year that he was really embarrassed of. I don't know what it was. I don't want to know what it was. He, he had sinned, and he felt really embarrassed to go into his Rebbe. He said, you know what, I'm not going to go this time. I'm going to do teshuvah. I'm going to repent, and then I'm going to go to the Rebbe, right? And so he said, okay, I'm not going on. He missed his one-on-one -on -one meeting. Next year, he realized that he had not only this sin that he had done, that he hadn't really done to show before, but like another three or four, maybe ten. He's like, oh, if I didn't go last year, I definitely can't go this year, right? The next year, the same thing happened. The next year, the same thing happened. And eventually, actually stopped to be a chassid. He remained religious true, but the, the life and the joy and the emotion that had infused his Judaism that had really come from his meetings with the Rebbe, um, they left. And eventually, many years later, he decided, you know what, I can't keep pushing this off at some point. I need to go to my Rebbe. I need to go visit him. I'm just going to go. I'm not going to prepare at all. Because what's happened until now, I've pushed off preparing and I never ended up going. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going as I am with all my schmutz, with all my dirt. I'm showing up as I am. And he went in to the Rebbe. And the Ruzhina greeted him and started off by telling him a story. He said that there were once two brothers who loved each other very, very, very much. They loved each other so much, it was the talk of the town, how much they took care of each other, they loved each other, they supported each other. And one time something happened and they broke away, they broke apart, right? We know that the more somebody, the more love there is there, when there's a break, it turns into hate, right? Because you kind of don't know what to do with that emotion. You can't just like, you know, put it in the box. So it turns into hate. You start to hate each other. I don't know what happened. Something happened. And they wouldn't let their children talk to each other. They didn't invite each other to their celebrations. And it was a very, very sad thing for the town to see. These brothers who had loved each other so much, who now were completely, completely cut off one from the other. And one, one, one brother married off his child, didn't invite the other to the wedding. And the next child, and the next child. And eventually one of the brothers was marrying off his last child. And his brother had never been to any of his children's weddings. And the musician who was invited to play at this wedding noticed that, noticed that everybody was like really down, that there was something, something in the air. And he decided, you know what, he went to the brother's house. The brother was sleeping, it was late at night. And he started to play on his violin. The brother woke up and he was like, wow started to play the most beautiful song that he could possibly, possibly play. And the brother walks outside in his pajamas and his slippers. He's like, wow, this music. He started to take a step back and a step back. And the brother started following this musician to hear the music until he ended up where? In the wedding hall of his brother. And he walked in and his brother saw him and all of the hate, like the hatred melted away because they didn't even remember why they were fighting in the first place, right? Fell onto each other, they hugged each other, kissed each other, they cried, they started to make up. And eventually, the brother, whose last son was getting married, turned to him and he said, I'm so glad that you made the effort to come. He didn't know, you know what had led him there. I'm so, so glad. But tell me, why did you have to come in your pajamas? 
And that's the story that the Rajana told his chassid. Many things you could take from this, right? Okay, so you pushed off coming, you pushed off coming. I'm so glad you came, but why did you have to come in your pajamas? Give some charity before you come. Do something. So on the one hand, Rosh Hashanah is coming, whether we like it or not, right? And we're going to have to learn what Rosh Hashanah means. But Rosh Hashanah is coming, right? And Elul is here and it's passing, whether we like it or not. And we can ask why. Why can't we have our personal Rosh Hashanah when we feel ready? Right? I feel ready for Rosh Hashanah. I feel ready to crown Hashem as king. I feel ready for Yom Kippur. I don't know, in six months from now, why can't I have Yom Kippur? Why do I have to wait for Hashem to decide when Yom Kippur is? And the answer is, because if we had to decide when it was, it would never happen. Right? <laughs> so Hashem decides when it is. Hashem puts certain events into the calendar that whether we like it or not, they're here, they're coming, and they're not going to be here forever. And we're not tzaddikim. We're not perfect. We're not going to come to Rosh Hashanah and to Yom Kippur with exactly the way we'd like to or exactly the way Hashem would like to. We're not perfect. However, we shouldn't come in our pajamas, right? We can prepare ourselves. We can do something. So on the one hand, it's coming whether we like it or not, but we shouldn't say it's coming and, uh, right? So I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to go and I'm going to just do... Um, but on the other hand, we don't have to expect ourselves to be perfect because then we're going to delay and we're going to delay. There's another story. I'll end off with this. Um, and then we'll, we'll start inside tomorrow. Um, there's a story. Um, there's a student of uh, a chassid of the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, the sixth Chabad Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was called Itcher de Masmed, right? Yitzchak. And he, he was killed by the Nazis. He was a big student of the Friedrich Rebbe. And he used to go for Yechidus as well, for a one-on-one meeting with his Rebbe, which was a very, very, um, very auspicious, very important time that Hasidim took very seriously because they knew you walk in, the Rebbe sees everything, right? Knows everything. So he would really prepare. And he was a big tzaddik. And he would wait in line for whatever it took, four or five hours, and he'd be davening and saying to him. And one time he was in line, saying to him for four or five hours, davening, praying, preparing himself. And there was a Hasid behind him, a Bachor, right? A, a student. And he, was, he wasn't doing his healing. He was watching Itzhar Damasmid pray because, you know, this is something special. He was watching and watching. Eventually, it came his turn, and he ran away. Rabbi Itzhar Damasmid ran away. So the guy behind him in line ran after him, chased him, and he said, where are you going? You just waited for five hours. Now you're here. He says, no, no, I realized I'm not ready. I'm not ready for the ready to see me. So, so the chassid, the student said, if he's not ready, I'm definitely not ready, right? So the next day, went back, Richard Masmid went back, and the student went back in line after him, and right before he went, what happened? He ran away again, he chased him, he said, no, I'm not ready. And this happened again and again, and until the student realized that every single time Richard Masmid comes back in line, he's actually worked on himself, he's actually tried to change. He said, me, the student, I haven't tried to change, I may as well just go in, right? May as well just go in. So, so we have these two things. We may as well just go in. We're going to go. We're going to greet the king. We're, gonna, we're going to experience the Rosh Hashanah that we want to experience. Because we may as well. Because we're never fully going to be ready. But at the same time, we're not going to go in our pajamas. So that's the goal. That's the goal, I think, of, of learning this minor, as we're going to see. And I hope that that can be the goal of every one of you, especially those of you who are here for Elul, right? Um, to, really, to really do what we can and do our best, which is never the best, because there's always more. There's always more to do. There's always better to strive for. 
but to do our best. And so we're going to be learning Kusmana. We're going to be learning what Elo represents. We're going to be learning a little bit of the process that the year takes us through, beginning with Elo and then going to Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and how it's actually a process, one leading into the other. That if we can truly, truly use our Elo the way that Hashem wants us to, we can actually have a completely different high holidays, right? Um, so we'll continue tomorrow. It was really, really wonderful meeting you all. And uh, today is Sunday. We started on, we you had classes already on Thursday, right? Oh, so this is not your first class. Okay, fine. Okay. Thursday was like orientation, I'm sure, and like figuring out where everything is. Okay, well, I'm really excited to learn with you and to prepare for Rosh Hashanah with you.